Before we step into our scripture passage this morning, just a reminder that the book of Romans is a big book. And so we're skipping a little section here. We'll review it after we read it. But here in Romans, Paul is unpacking a very complex topic. And so it's helpful if you have that out while we're talking about it. But I'll read through it right here together. Romans chapter 6, verses 12 to 23. Paul writes, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its, its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So this week, we celebrated the holiday of Juneteenth. And I don't know if you're familiar with this. I, I looked it up. So June 19th, 1865, all of the slaves that were in Texas were notified that they were, in fact, free. This is two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation. And that's something that is pretty impactful in our national memory. Right? We have a certain and specific idea of slavery. And at this point in history, I think we're all on the same page to say slavery, that was bad. To have one person own another person, not good. Not in the way that God created this world to work. But our memory of slavery is kind of a specific memory. And it makes it difficult for us to walk into this passage where Paul uses the language of slavery and this analogy that's kind of repulsive to us in a lot of ways. But it's helpful to remember, I think, that Paul doesn't have the same national memory as we do. He has the memory of slavery that is atrocious in some ways. He has the memory of, of the Israelites being enslaved in Egypt, which might be comparable to what happened here in the United States in a few cases. 
And he has an experience with slavery that in some ways in his world, it's an evil that is better than the alternative, which could be starvation. He has the experience of people presenting themselves as slaves to people they think of as faithful and good owners who who might be able to provide for their family better than they can provide for their families themselves. Now, with both of these in mind, Paul presents the analogy of our text, which is really a difficult one to grapple with, but he shows us that there are really two kinds of slave owners. There are, is the kind of slave owner like sin, and there is the one like God. And he confesses this is not a perfect analogy. It's a human way of speaking, but I'm going to try to walk through this and compare and contrast with you, just like Paul compares and contrasts what it's like to be a slave to one or the other. And ultimately, all of this is for the goal of seeing, just like Paul tells us, that Jesus sets us free for life so that we would present ourselves, everything we are, to God. So first... I want to talk a little bit about the slavery that Paul presents to us here and how it's actually similar. We can compare the two kinds because ultimately we are really into following your heart in this world, in our modern America. You hear that phrase all over the place, follow your heart. And one of the things that Paul is telling us here is that your heart is not free is that the condition of humanity is to have our heart be under the influence of forces outside of ourselves. Now, this goes back to what we read last week in Romans chapter 5, as as he talks a little bit about Adam falling into sin and how all of us fall into sin with Adam. You see, in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve to be under his authority, And they had authority of their own to do things and and to be masters of the earth. But all of this was in service to creation and service to God. And when Adam decides that he doesn't want to be that kind of slave to God anymore, he takes his freedom and puts it on a shelf. See, in his decision to be like God, the only thing he does is move himself out from the umbrella of God being master into a world where he has no master but his own broken desires, but his own broken heart, which leads him into all kinds of passions. Now, see, what these things have in common is that whether it's sin or whether it's God, something will rule over us. And we might pridefully say that, well, I'm the master of my life, I'm the captain of my soul, and if that's the case, we are the kind of people that are being tossed about in the wind of culture. We're the kind of people whose heart is all over the place, following after all kinds of different things, and we are, in fact, enslaved. But there's another thing that both of these things hold in common. And that's that God didn't leave humanity in that place. You see, 
the part we skipped over is the part, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 11, where Paul tells us that this isn't our story. We weren't left as slaves to sin, but Jesus actually, by his obedience, brought us into the household of God. He didn't leave us to die, which was the consequence of sin, but he gives us life. Through our baptism, we actually have the obedience of Christ so that when God looks at us, he not only doesn't see our sin, but he doesn't see all, all of the things that we do. He sees the righteousness of Christ and the righteousness that he works through us. You see, one of the things that, that both of these perspectives might have in common, and really is the purpose for Paul writing this passage, is that we might say, well, if we aren't under the law anymore, if we're under grace, why shouldn't we just keep sinning so that grace for everybody? Well, why should I do anything right ever? And Paul says, well, we really miss the boat if that's what we're thinking. Because the master of sin is very different from the master of God. Now, how many of you are dog people? Okay, we've got a few dog people. All right, how many of you are terrified if a dog that you don't know starts sprinting at you barking? Okay, I've got a few hands up. These, these are not the cowards. These are just the smart people in the room. <laughs> that, that, it's good to be terrified in that situation, right? You have to, you have to respond in a certain way. But I have a brother-in-law who trains dogs, and one of the things that he helped me to understand about dogs is that when a dog does not have an authority over him, they can be confused and anxious and lash out in unhealthy ways. And I think that this shows us a little bit of what our slavery to sin looks like. I, I think our slavery to sin sometimes can be like we are a stray dog. And sure, we do what we want. Stray dogs do what they want all the time. But is it really that much better than being in the household? Because they are driven by their instincts. They're driven by a need for survival. It is these dogs who are the ones that bite the hand that feeds them because of the confused anxiety, the confused need to, to continue to propagate the self. We are stray dogs when our greatest need is for people to respect us. We act like stray dogs when every time somebody says something that we don't enjoy and we respond with a sarcastic comment when we lash out. We are like stray dogs when the things that we value in this world, the things that our heart chase after are threatened and we respond with threats. You see, we aren't the masters of ourselves just because we can't point to a clear master. Out in the world, when we have decided to be our own gods, well, we're at the mercy of whatever our heart wants. And that's really a terrifying reality. You see, that's what it's like to be a slave to sin. And even as much as we want our own survival and our own respect and our own money and our own kingdom, 
As much as we fight for that kingdom, the end of sin is death. And death is a slave master who always pays his wages on time. And he pays them in full. See, that is slavery to sin. And thanks be to God that he freed us from that. Thanks be to God that Jesus was sent into this world to rescue us from that slavery to sin and bring us into a better world, a better creation. Now, so I I mentioned that my brother-in-law trains dogs, so I went with him to work one day to see a little bit of what he does. And he, he walked me around the place, showed me everything he does, showed me all the dogs, where they go out, all of the stuff. And then at the end of the tour, of course he asked me, so, uh, you want to be attacked by a police dog? And of course my answer is, yeah. <laughs> so I put this thing that's pretty much like a chew toy that you put on your arm. And I'm standing there on one end of the field, and he has a German shepherd over there, and he's yelling in German, of course, because that's the language that they speak, I guess. <laughs> and this dog is, is barking at me, and then, and then he lets him go. He tells him, you know, eins or something, and the dog starts coming at me. And as this dog is running towards me, there are really two thoughts that go through my head. The first one is, I'm going to die. <laughs> and I don't know what I'm going to do about it, because what kind of person hits a dog? And then the second thought is as I see this dog running towards me, it almost looks like it's smiling. I've never seen a dog that's happier in my entire life. And what I realize is, like, this is what this dog is created for. This dog is content because it's doing what it was created to do. It doesn't have that kind of confusing, anxious lifestyle, but, but he has this, this clear authority in his life, and he knows that when he's rushing at me to bite my arm off, that he's doing exactly what his master wants. And in that, it could look like slavery, or it could look like freedom. You see, hear me clearly. The practice of one human being enslaved to another is always bad. But when human beings are enslaved to God, they are functioning in the way they are created to function. They're like an attack dog with this clear command. You see, in this world of having a good master, we have these clear instructions, clear principles by which we can order our lives. And maybe, maybe it doesn't mean that I know what I'm supposed to do all the time. And maybe it doesn't mean that I am perfectly righteous all the time. But when we are slaves to God, we actually value the things that he gives us. It means we value his law. It means we present ourselves as slaves to obedience, wanting to be righteous and It also means we value the gospel that's preached to us. You see, to be slaves of God means that we see, we remember that life of being slaves to sin. And we hate it. And we hate the times that sin creep into our lives. And we sympathize with the people who are slaves to sin out there in the world, who are tossed about by their heart and it means that the Holy Spirit is actually grabbing a hold of our heart and making us want to be more of what we already are because God, in the grace of Jesus, has already called you righteous. 
He has already forgiven your sins. And on the last day when Jesus comes back, you will be righteous completely all the way. You will be holy, sanctified, which is just another word for being made holy. You will be all of the things that God calls you now because you live in the household of God. And I know what that experience is to think, well, what if I feel like I'm not free from sin? What if I feel like it still has a huge impact on my life? What if I I feel like no matter what I do, it keeps rearing its ugly head? Well, if you're in that place and then you justify your sins and then you say that, well, sin doesn't matter anyway, well, Well, then we need to talk. But if you're in that place and see your sins and feel your sins and hate your sins, well, that's the Holy Spirit working to convict you, to bring you back to our gracious master, our gracious master who speaks words of forgiveness, who welcomes us into his household. And the end of being in our master's house, it's not death. It is righteousness It is holiness. It is eternal life. That's what God offers to us. You see, Jesus has freed us for life. And you have this eternal life even here and now. Jesus has freed you for life, and he's done it so that you would present your members, which is pretty much your everything, everything you are, to him. Because you see that he is a good master, and this is what you were created to do. So we present ourselves to him. And it looks a lot of different ways in a lot of different Christian lives. Sometimes it looks like most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We present ourselves to God, and sometimes it looks like crossing myself when I wake up in the morning in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Present ourselves to God, and sometimes it looks like rather than being governed by the way my heart is trying to pull me, I take a moment to open up his word, and the Holy Spirit directs my heart where it needs to go. We have an opportunity this morning to bless a few members of our high school youth group and the mentors who are going away on a mission trip, going to Savannah, Georgia. And what they are going to be doing, they don't even know it yet. So it's pretty cool that they're just giving themselves over. And they're giving themselves over to whatever it is that God has ahead of them in that week. Another way, another example of presenting ourselves to God See, we don't go wherever our heart takes us. We go where we see the Holy Spirit directing our hearts. Is there a passion that you have for service? Well, that might be the Holy Spirit directing your heart. Is there a place that you need forgiveness and reconciliation? Well, that might be the Holy Spirit directing your heart because Jesus has freed you from sin and Jesus has freed you for eternal life, for righteousness, for holiness. And when Jesus frees you for life, he does it. We give everything to God because that's what he's created us to do. Amen.